Hardy's two for five dollar breakfast bake goodness into your morning. Choose a biscuit with sausage and egg, biscuit and gravy, or French toast dips. Any two, just five dollars. Hardy's goodness in the making. These items only. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included. And welcome into the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am your host Colby Conway at Colby R Conway. On Twitter and with me this week, obviously, I had my shot at a vacation. So, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I believe that's some code, Hammurabi's code, maybe. So Matt Sells gets a vacation this week. So stepping in with me here is James Grande. I know the last time I did a pod with James was probably last baseball season. And there was a whole debacle about your Twitter and if you'd get the the Twitter handle or not. So James, first off, how are you? And secondly... Uh, what is the status update on your your Twitter username or whatever we're calling it on the Twitter sphere? <laughs> uh, happy to be here, of course, Colby. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, did the pod last two weeks ago with Cells on your on your um, getaway to whatever island you were on. Um, so I forget what Cells told me, but you took your private jet over there, and so good for you. Um, and uh, nothing, nothing to update on the Twitter handle. Still, the uh, fake Ariana Grande account still in possession of the real Grande with no underscores. So I am still underscored. Uh, you know, but since then, Colby, um, I would go on with Justin Fensterman uh, to talk some NBA when he was on SiriusXM, and they he came up with this elaborate um, and intro for me with like a with horns and like uh he coined me the king of the underscore so like you know a lot's changed um on the uh on the twitter handle front i've really i've really liked having the underscores just becoming the king of the underscore really changed me changed my perspective there so shout out to fensty for for um you know the the warm the warm welcome to to being a king so uh, that's where the, the Twitter handle stays, and I think we're going to stay with uh, the underscores moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it, it does look good. I mean, sure, maybe you don't have the 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 lack of underscores, but the underscore <laughs> real underscore grande looks good. I do want to correct you. I, I was in Mexico for a week um, <laughs> on vacation, and it was on my second private jet. Not oh, the second. One. Okay, yeah, the first one, first one was getting a little uh, maintenance done. We were, you know, just something, I think we were just putting like a third bar into the plane or something. Mm, um, yes, yes, yes. Just something casual. Like I was sick of having to get up to get somewhere. So I thought I'd put one in the back of the seat that I'm <laughs> yes. normally sitting. Uh, yes. so, yeah, you know how idea. it goes. You know how it goes with multiple private jets. Multiple, um, yes. yes. It's, it's something that it's, it's a blessing and a curse, dare I say, um, <laughs> that, but no, it was, it's good to have you back. It's been a while since you and I have talked, and I thought this was a good week to bring on with Sells on vacation. Depending on when we record next week, we might get a an encore performance of uh, myself and the king of the underscore, James Grande, here on the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. So, James, we'll kind of jump right into it. But first, I would be remiss because you know private jets don't pay for themselves, so I gotta I gotta hit it here. But the free draft guide is available at fantasyalarm.com. So get there, get the draft guide, the cheat sheet everything in there tons of great content is coming out i just recently updated the free agent tracker that i'm still going because apparently players are still signing there's also the nfl free agent tracker but check the mlb one out too because we're getting a couple updates here and there but all that is in the fantasy alarm draft guide fantasy baseball draft guide, i should say so get your copy your edition sign up whatever it is at fantasyalarm.com but james let's start with this i 
it seems like this podcast would be remiss if we didn't have about an episode once every four ish weeks about talking about pitching problems in the state of New mm-hmm. York, as <laughs> it just seems to kind of pan out that way. Last week, right, I believe it was right before or during the podcast, we got the the news about Carlos Rodon, aka everything that went through that. We won't see him till May. That's what I said based on hearing of the the terms, and I hate the dreaded forearm injury, yep. but. We'll take a break from kind of chastising the Yankees for their pitching woes, and we'll look at the Mets. Let's start with this. Jose Quintana, I believe I saw a report. He's getting shut down for a good bit. Um, probably not going to see him till around or after the All-Star break, so we'll have to see. I believe it was a stress, a stress fracture in his rib. He wasn't exactly an overwhelming fantasy presence for the 2023 season, more so better for the Mets in reality than fantasy, I would probably say. Um but really, we can't be drafting Quintana at this point, knowing this at this point of the season, right? No shot. I mean, his ADP suggests he wasn't being drafted much anyway. Um, he was pretty good for your Pirates last year. And then, you know, everything fell apart after the trade and hasn't started off too well in New York. So uh, I don't think Quintana has any viability, like three months. That's a lot of time. Um like you said, we're not going to see him till after the All-Star break at that point. So, no, I mean, I think, you know, maybe later down the line, he's a waiver wire pickup, but nothing more uh, at this point. And it's something that we see. Like, once you leave the friendly confines of Pittsburgh, an organization right. that cares for you and really, really cares about your next steps, I would say. Uh, yep. they're, they're very good at that, and, it, you know, you go there. But it's one of those things, depending on your league format, maybe if you have an IL spot, it's a deeper league, you can work – stash him because last year he was very good in terms of like an era perspective but really there's going to be era regression with him in 2023 when he returns there's just no questions about it and with the with my new favorite word with a dearth of strikeouts is he really worth clogging up even an il spot on your team like you you see other guys like i'd almost be more inclined to take a shot on guys who i know are going to get injured in time like an andrew heaney maybe jack flaherty i'd rather take those guys and have them on my il spot because they at least give me a little fantasy juice. Whereas with the regression I'm expecting for Quintana, I'm holding a roster spot for a four ERA and a sub strikeout per inning. That's just not worth it to me. Agreed. Um, I do think it could be potentially worth it if you've already drafted and there's waivers already um, going through weekly. They've announced it's either going to be David Peterson or Tyler McGill. Those are the two replacements for the Mets early on. Um, they had Scherzer move to a, you know, a bullpen. So McGill could, um, get live action. He threw four innings, very good baseball. He looks sharp early on. I know, like, if you look at, um, stuff like fan, uh, fan graphs, they have Peterson projected. I kind of would have mild interest in, um, Tyler McGill solely, but like, High strikeout guy. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, balls leaving the yard with Tyler McGill, especially um, in his rookie year. I mean, 19 home runs allowed in 90 innings. But, like, the strikeouts over a strikeout per inning, um, nearly, you know, I mean, the walks are, eh. Like, the whip is, eh. Um, but a high strikeout guy, you know, good good pitcher's park in, in New York. Um, I, if Tyler McGill were to win that fifth starters job. And again, uh, you know, we'll talk about spring training a little later as a tease, but 
Uh, he's looked sharp in his three outings so far. Just one earned run over eight and third. I would have mild interest there just based on his strikeout upside. And it's something, too, depending on how many roster spots you have in your league. You know, if you're in the late rounds of a draft right now and you kind of have your offense solidified, you could really double tap with your last two picks. Just take both. Peterson yep. and McGill, see which one breaks camp because they both are appealing. Like we've seen, if I'm not mistaken, I think Peterson has eight no hit innings this spring. I don't believe he's allowed a hit um, this spring and he's got over a strikeout per inning. So things are obviously looking good for him. And then McGill's kind of been the guy. It almost seems like Peterson's been like all reliable, yep. but he's picked up a little bit. Whereas McGill, if one of them's going to hit a ceiling, McGill's the more interesting one. I'd be fine with drafting both in the late Agreed. rounds. And then, you know, see what happens because there's there's something there's something about being someone who steps on the rubber and being in the state of new york that you're more prone to things is is what it kind of seems like so you know it might not be bad to have multiple eggs in that basket but it's you know quintana's not the only one in the mets rotation uh kodai senga the off-season acquisition i got some thoughts about this one um in that i believe it's finger tendonitis um so let me ask you this I understand it's a different ball coming from Japan, but typically from my understanding as a non-doctor, tendonitis kind of grows over time and yep. is, you know, you, that you don't just wake up with tendonitis. It's from, you know, overuse or maybe improper use, but it takes time to develop. He hasn't been here that long. <laughs> so how in the hell is it finger tendonitis? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's they didn't want to use soreness, or maybe they didn't want to use a word like that, and they cut and they threw that label onto it. Uh, I'm not really overly worried about Senga. I don't want to bury the lead with that, but this is weird for tendonitis for a guy who's been here for only a little bit. I mean, he said it's been an adjustment getting used to the ball, so I can understand maybe he hasn't quite. I don't even want to say work that muscle because it's your finger. Right. Like, right. I don't know how to. I'm not overly worried about it. Uh, I'm in a home league. I disrupted Senga as my SP4, so clearly I'm not overly worried about it. Um, <laughs> Do you have any different thoughts on this <laughs> this very quick, uh, quickly occurring tendonitis issue? Well, I mean, if it every like this doesn't seem like it's an issue that just developed. Like this could have been something thirteen hundred innings in Japan, you know, that wear and tear of that really um, contributed. Because, like you said, I mean, he's how many months months he's probably been in the states months mm -hmm. not even not even uh obviously a year so I, i'm not overly worried obviously tendonitis is like you know being around like your grandparents or being around like the elderly like it's common right it's something that you like oh i have tendonitis or like you see your grandparents wearing like something on their wrist I, that's obviously concerning the finger tendonitis is weird to me um, he is throwing a bullpen on Tuesday. Apparently, the bullpen went well, according to Anthony DeComo of MLB.com. So we'll see. Uh, but obviously, like, tendonitis doesn't seemingly just go away. So this is something that we might have to monitor throughout the year. And obviously, something that he could miss starts from. I mean, what's the most? In, 180 innings is the most he threw in a season in Japan, right? around would, there would you like what is your what is your honest projection on Senga's innings coming into the air like prior to knowing that there was tendonitis like what would you safely project Senga at 150 probably probably 
probably around there, give or take. Because I also also in Japan they throw once a week, right? So I, I don't know how many two star weeks we're going to get mm-hmm. out of them. And if we were going to get any, I'm assur- I'm sure that we're probably not now because they're right. going to kind of take it a bit easier with them. Do the Mets opt to go with the six man rotation at times? Right. Like th- that's in the cards, I think. So I, my yeah, probably 150 to 160 innings with the hope that I'm getting more, but I can't necessarily, I can't bank on that. Right. So I have to kind of take that into account. So yeah, I think 150 to 160 is probably where he's going to come in. They did say, I mean, like you said, he's already thrown a bullpen. So clearly it's not bad enough to keep him off the bump for too long. And they even said that if it was in season, he would be able to throw. I also think that's kind of a, you know, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's a hypothetical. Right. It's not going to happen. So, right. so they can just, course. so they can just say it, right. It's just like, yeah. I'm going to say this because no one can say it's not gonna, No one, no one would say, Oh no, he wouldn't throw. Right. And it's, you know, they can't, they can't really test it until the season. So <laughs> right. I, yeah, I think 150 innings is fine. They're gonna, he, he's someone that I'm interested in drafting as long as the helium doesn't get too high. Cause I fully expect through the first couple starts of the season, this was before the finger. I was kind of thinking this could be the case, but the first sign of trouble about four, four and a third, four and two thirds innings, he's going to have a shorter leash yep. to start the season. Yep. They're going to be cautious with him. He's not getting like the Scherzer treatment. He's not getting that. If they go out there and he, they're taking him out, they're taking him out. He, he's not going to have the leash to lobby in the beginning. So I'm very, very ready for the first couple weeks of the season to get four and two thirds, five and one thirds innings out of him. And hopefully he keeps the pitch count in check as he goes on, but he just has to get used to the ball. And hopefully this finger tendonitis thing goes away as he's more accustomed to using those, those grippers with the new ball, I guess, as, as the kids say. So yeah, I'm okay drafting Senga. I'm not moving him around too much, uh, but just keep an eye out on it. So that's kind of where I stand as well. Let me talk to you about Mitch Hanniger. Uh, he heads out west to the Giants. He seems one of two outfielders they brought in coming off some injury concerns, now has an oblique. Uh, to me, the oblique to a hitter is potentially or probably the most relatable other than maybe a hand or a wrist to a forearm to a pitcher. Um he now has got an oblique issue. Um, what are you doing with Hanniger in any drafts that you may have upcoming? I mean, yeah, you don't love to see the oblique. And I feel like anytime you see an oblique, it's the immediate response is please do not rush them back because every single time they're rushed back, or even when they say, Oh, I feel 100%, there's a re aggravation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's super scary. Gabe Kapler didn't really like clarify anything specific on like whether he's going to be ready for the season or not. Um, but I mean, they invested what almost fifty million dollars on him, or just north of forty million dollars this off season. So obviously, like they are heavily invested for the next few years. So they're going to play it safe. I'm not necessarily going to move him down my draft boards too much, unless we find out we're going to start missing time, um, like significant time. Now, grade one strains are usually four weeks of a recovery period, which puts us into the beginning of the year. So will he miss some time? Sure. Um, But Mitch Hanniger, 
isn't Mitch Haniger like fall into that category earlier in the year where you were or earlier in this pod where you were talking about Jack Flaherty, right? Jack Flaherty gets hurt. Mitch Haniger gets hurt. But when Mitch Haniger is in the lineup, there's a ton of home run upside. So he's not going to move down my board too much. Um, I'm still okay with drafting him. I'm even okay like messing around with the ability, like the possibility of him slipping and then taking him later in drafts. Um, just to, you know, kind of finagle my my draft board. So, you know, it's it's a tricky injury, but a four recovery period, he'll still be back in April. Barring that's what, you know, is the timeline he's gonna be on. So I still like Hanager. He's still going to hit in the middle of that order when he does return um, with 30 home run upside. Yeah, I know it's a, a tough ballpark, but played in the worst offensive ballpark over the last two years um, statistically. So uh, I guess nothing could be worse than that. And you actually hit pretty, pretty much hit the nail right on the head. With the, Back in 2017, he had a strained right oblique, went on the, the then disabled list April 26th, went on a rehab assignment about a month and a week or so later. So that's the kind of time we're looking at. And he was back up with the team within a couple of days from there. So maybe we're saying like four to six weeks mm-hmm. could be looking at for um, Hanager. And here's the thing. Also, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just going about it in the long, long roundabout way. <laughs> Am I moving him up? No. Am I buying the dip? Absolutely. Because people are going to see oblique and inevitably drop him down. I am moving him down a little bit in my rankings, but the buying opportunity is going to be there for Hanager. And like you said with Flaherty, he is 100% worth one of those, I don't want to say precious IL spots, but he is worth one of those because what he can do offensively is very intriguing. And I kind of like the Giants lineup, if I'm being honest. There are some pieces of it I like. Like I have a lot of shares of um, Estrada. I got quite a few of Conforto back when he was cheaper. Um, now his, his spring performance has boosted him a little bit. We'll talk about him in a bit, but yep, I, we will be buying the dip on Mitch Hanniger. And we got some good news for those people who love to look at spring training numbers and freak out with prospects, but Jordan Walker back in the lineup after an impressive spring, I'll be honest, James, it's been really tough for me to get any shares of Jordan Walker. His, his price point has just gone if if we're if through the roof is the analogy we want to use, it, it's been through about three roofs. Like there was a point where it was very like attainable to get him. And then he decides to come up and go eight for 12 with four home runs and three 118 mile an hour doubles screamed off the fence. So I don't really have many shares of Jordan Walker, to be honest. It's kind of killing me. And I know I'm going to bite at some point just because I have FOMO and I don't want to miss out. Um, in any drafts you've done, have you managed to get any shares of Jordan Walker? No, not yet. And I'm kind of with you. Like anytime um, a player like this is just jumping off the page and you don't have shares, it's not, it doesn't feel good, but you're right. It's a price point thing. And, um, you know, if if we get, if we get there, Colby, we get there. uh, Don't, don't fall for it. You know, don't stay strong. I know, uh, you know, before you know it, he's going to be hitting between Colchman and Arenado. No, but uh, no, I have no shares yet. Keyword yet. Um, but he's top three, four prospect in baseball. It's, you know, if, you, if you're doing enough drafts, you got to have a couple of shares. For sure. And I'm looking here from December 1st to February 1st. His ADP per the NFBC was 254. Do you want to guess 
what it's been since February 1st to today as we're recording this on March 14th? It's 254. Um, 230, 245. 186. Oh, okay. So we're really moving. We are yep. moving the needle fast. And just for fun, if we want to do it from March 1st to March 14th, it is, oh, oh man. Okay. His ADP is 133. He has a min pick of 80. His max is 202. That is, so he's being drafted as the, let's see, I'm looking at the same data, the seventh Cardinal off the board. The seventh Cardinal off the board. I had a Newt Bar, Montgomery, Flaherty, Mikolas. Yeah, I mean, I mean, per the NFBC, I mean, he's tagged as a third baseman there. You know, probably play outfield with the yep. with the club, but third base. He's the tenth third baseman right now, from March first to March fourteenth off the board, going ahead of Matt Chapman, A. Eugenio Suarez, uh, future MVP Cabrian Hayes. <laughs> Anthony Rendon, Josh Young, some of those guys I agree with, but I mean, that's where we're looking at. Like it's literally, he, he has ascended all the way into the tier with Max Muncy and just above him. Well, about three rounds is like Gunnar Henderson. That is spring training helium. That is helium to the, to the, to the max. That's like industrial grade helium. Like that this was, is not the helium you get like when you go to like party city and you know, they fill up the balloons and they put it in there. This is like back alley former guy or gal in the industry that has some <laughs> industry grade helium that they snuck out when they put their two weeks in when they left like this is some serious stuff yeah um also party city way overpriced these days you know inflation is real just go to party city and ask for them to blow up some balloons for your for your children you'll find yes. out quickly yeah we are not endorsing back alley helium. no, no. <laughs> that no. is that no. is the wrong place wrong time to be in but Yep. So obviously, unfortunately, we're going to get hit with more injuries. We'll keep it up. I believe we have an injury. I think the new injury report was put up on the site today. I think I think I saw a tweet about that. Um, but there is an injury report from spring training up on Fantasy Alarm. Maybe it might be part of the draft guide. So go check that out there. But James, want to get your thoughts here. A couple some early spring performances, whether we are buying or selling in terms of right now of like fantasy draft. Most people are probably still looking to draft uh, or their drafts are coming up soon. Most people like to wait to draft closer to the season, um, which I understand to an extent. Um, but let's start with this. We kind of talked about Mitch Hanniger a little bit, but fellow teammate and off-season acquisition, Michael Conforto, I said it's been a guy that I was pretty in on in the beginning and so far in spring hitting 304. We have four home runs, does have nine strikeouts and 23 at bounce, so not loving that. But I will be glad to overlook that with the 826 slug and the OPS nearing 1200. So Conforto was, I thought, pretty cheap to begin with. I understood the concerns missing over a year. Um, it was over a year with the shoulder issue. And again, not necessarily the greatest park, but he's got enough power when healthy to do it. Seems like he'll be ready to play the outfield uh, opening day or shortly thereafter. So um, are you buying or selling Conforto here in drafts, given what we've seen so far in spring? I am buying. Um, and I kind of was buying prior to a single spring training at bat. Um, mm-hmm. Look, yes, there's obviously concerns. And I think, you know, heading into that, like the, the stock was never higher on Conforto more than heading into COVID year. 
where he had a really good season. Obviously, it was a shortened campaign, but um, he looked really good. And then everything kind of fell apart in 2021 and then the shoulder. And then, you know, we're, we just aren't playing baseball for a year. And that's obviously concerning. But like we're still in the prime of our career here, 30 years old. He'll be 31 on March. He just turned 30. So um, we have a guy in his prime with three seasons of 27 plus home runs. You talk about the strikeouts, obviously not like ideal in eight games, but he's never been a guy that profiles as someone who strikes out a lot. 159 strikeouts is his career high in 153 games, which is not something you see in today's game. Like that's a very low strikeout rate. He's a guy who walks a ton. He's always someone who's, you know, going to contribute to ratios such as on base percentage, a guy with a career 800 plus OPS, like, you are right in terms of ballparks, but it's never, it was never like where he played in New York was the best hitting environment either. Um, so, you know, for a guy that has multiple 27 plus home run seasons, a guy with 70 plus 90 plus run upside, um, given a full campaign he has 90 runs batted in upside. Like there's nothing to like really dislike about other than the fact that he was off for a year, but we've seen, Already from Conforto, four home runs in, in eight games. Uh, looks looks like the shoulder is feeling pretty good um, coming into the year. So I'm buying Conforto's hot spring. And I, I mean, like I said, I was buying before spring training. Um, I, he's just a good baseball player that, you know, is getting back into the things and looks pretty healthy doing so. And that's the thing, too, like you said, and something I hadn't really – I was so focused on the power, I wasn't even really looking at the strikeout. But like I said – he hasn't played in quite some right. time. So maybe, you know, you know, I mean, every sport is tough. I get it. I'm in agreement with that. But, you know, stepping into the plate or the box, I should say, to face major league pitching or quad A pitching, depending on who he's facing if it's spring training. I mean, that's that's a that's a hell of an adjustment. Right. Like it's going to take time to get back into that. And I mean, yes, the strikeouts are high right now, but he's never profiled as that. The power is legit. And I mean, since March 1st, he's going outside of the top 230 with a min pick of 180. I don't, I'm trying to remember for my TGFBI draft because I'm pretty sure I drafted him. I, that min pick might be me. Like, <laughs> I have to look at it. I mean, I definitely set a min on some people, I think. Um, but I mean, I've, I've done four underdog best ball drafts for the way too early slate just look i have 100 percent exposure to conforto and i was getting him in the 16th round of those uh, i think those days are done to be right. honest he moves yep. up quick underdog yep. adp adjust pretty quick so yep they sure do yes i am definitely buying conforto i've been buying i will continue to buy um and as long as his price doesn't keep moving up too much i mean this we're still in a very 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 affordable range because with how thin outfield is and how quick i look and be like wow i really wish i would have drafted more outfielders in the beginning you know conforto is a nice guy to come with outside of the top 200 another outfielder going a little bit later maybe some of the results aren't the same is joe adele james i i don't i don't want to get fooled again but i'm just so enthralled by what the upside could be. But then I just go look at the numbers. I'm like, so he's got the two home runs. He's got the one stolen base. But strikeouts are an issue for him, have been an issue for him. And, 
as far as I can see, will continue to be an issue for Joe Adele. Is there any saving grace here? I mean, 241 average, but he does have 13 strikeouts and 29 at-bats also in like 11 games. I mean, what do we make of Joe Adele at this point? Uh, he needs to find a new organization. He needs an organizational reset. Because let's face it, like, what is his ceiling on the Angels? Where does he even fit on this team? Because well, I remember I remember what the what it was supposed to be. Right. You remember what it was supposed to be. But there's no I mean, you have with the signing of Hunter Renfro, like or like the the acquisition of Hunter Renfro, I should say, there's just nowhere for him to to play. Um, so I'm selling all my shares, every share. And I, you know what? I'm I'm not hoping that he doesn't succeed because he obviously, like, you know, at one point was regarded as one of, if not the best prospect in baseball. But like, we're just not seeing it. The strikeouts are elevated. The walks don't exist. The power really doesn't exist either, at least at the major league level. And he's not even going to start the year on the team. And if he does, it's not in an everyday role. Like, there's just not. Like even in in dynasty, like which is really the only place I think you want him at this point in time. What is your what is your desire to keep him in dynasty? That he one day turns into, you know, a guy. You hope that you know Hunter Renfro's one year thing and moves on. You hope Shohei Otani's not there anymore. Like, what do we what do we need for? <laughs> Joe Adele to even get time in this lineup an injury a significant injury to one of these guys I just don't see a path to him playing any significant getting any significant at bats to to matter in fantasy this year um so for dynasty like if you want to hold on to hope sure but you're you're really there's not a lot of value there I, I know Colby I'm sorry uh, it sounds like you are one of those people holding on to him in dynasty formats and you know what I'm sorry he's just you know you ever seen that meme I'm not that guy, pal. He's not that guy, pal. He's not that guy. Yeah, it's I think for dynasty. So I'm I'm with you for redraft. I'm I'm out. I mean, yeah, you know, we've seen it with Jared Clinic. You can hit the minor league pitching, you get the big leagues, and your your strengths are neutralized and your weaknesses are accentuated. And speaking of Jared Clinic, by the way, speaking of Jared Clinic, uh Howard Bender and I actually did a uh player debate on Jared Clinic out on fantasyalarm.com today. Uh, Howard took the pro Jared Clinic side. I took the con Jared okay, good. Clinic side. So good. Yeah. I think redraft. I'm, like I said, I'm with you on Adele. I'm also out on Clinic for that matter. So I'm also with you there. In Dynasty, I think as, as bad as it is to say, and <laughs> as much as this is really going to suck, I think you're stuck with them yeah, because probably. everybody in your league already knows that at this point, I, I guess he's going to profile if he ever does figure it out as a post hype prospect kind of because the hype is kind of worn off and everyone knows i think it's sunk cost i think you're stuck i think you have to hold and hope that he figures it out and the second he gets that glimmer of stardom you text everybody in your league see he's just a late bloomer this is the guy (laughs) we wanted and that is when you just look to offload him right then and there i think right right now you're selling him for pennies on the dollar and maybe if things work out you can sell him for dimes on the dollar you're right I mean, it's not a great right. idea, but that's your best. No, bet I mean, it's your point. best. No, you're right. You're right. It is your best bet because 
as soon as there's a week of hope, he gets he hits two home runs in a week. It's like, see, look, this is what we've all thought he was going to be. And then, you know, then then you offload and, you know, but there's just no there's just nothing that he's done that like is even offering like a glimmer of hope. There, there just hasn't been. And 13 strikeouts in, in eight games in spring training doesn't, or in 11 games, doesn't suggest anything either. Yep, yep. I am with you there. An interesting one here. This is a guy I'm finding myself become interested in in the right circumstances. So if you go to roster resource and you look at the monstrosity that is the <laughs> Oakland team, lineup pitching staff kind of whole ordeal organization organization, organization? Yeah. Yeah, organization. You, yeah sure your words not mine even though i said it but your words <laughs> not mine but the number two right now shintaro fujinami and when you look here in the spring with where he's going in drafts there's enough to pique my interest right eight or what has he got 13 strikeouts in eight innings yep he's allowed five earned runs yep he's got eight walks and a 175 whip isn't ideal, but opponents are only hitting 207 against them. That's probably because they don't really get a chance to put the bat on the ball that often. That's either a strikeout or a walk. But with how late Fujinami is going, I know he's not going to win many games because Oakland will score a run every other game probably this season when you look at that lineup. But based on where he's going in drafts, so since March 1st, he's outside of the top 500. So basically AL only or the deepest of the deepest of the deepest leagues or even considering a guy at that stature. What do you make here of the spring? Like I said, strikeouts are good. Walks aren't great, but he's going to get innings because let's face it, Oakland doesn't have much and nor are they in any rush to promote anything that they do have that could take innings away from him by any means. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it depends on what kind of category um categories your league is you know focusing in on i know i play in a whip league four 4.1 walks per nine in japan right what is that going to translate to the major leagues right well, apparently um, a walking inning right in a walking inning so <laughs> i mean like and then conversely, like you look at the strikeouts, you're like, holy cow, like there's serious upside here. And he did it in Japan. Like we he was a strikeout over a strikeout and inning guy. So it's very give or take. Um in the leagues where like whip matters and and you're gonna be hindered there, I'd have a hard time getting to him. Um in a in a league that, you know, really promotes everything else outside of wins and everything else that matters. I mean, he literally, what are we drafting him for Colby? We're drafting him for strikeouts, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, what, that's it. What is, innings, what is he, maybe? Yeah. Innings. He's a, he's a warm body and he's striking people out, which he did. He's done through eight innings in spring and he's done throughout his whole career in Japan. He had a, uh, 11, Let's see, 11, I don't know what the split here is. I guess he played for two teams in Japan last year. Um, 9.6 strikeouts per nine is pretty serious. 10.3 the year before. Temp, like, we're drafting him for strikeouts. So if you need strikeouts in late in your drafts, late, sure, 100%. Ale only leagues, sure, strikeouts, end of the draft, great. Um, but he's really not going to provide you with much else. More often than not, I'm I'm probably gonna sell eight out of ten times. 
But those two times where I, like you said last time, where you look at your drafts about outfield, like I wish I drafted more early. In drafts where your pitching is kind of like, uh, I probably could have used a couple more um, arms early. He provides you a strikeout upside and he provides you with inning upside. So in like two of 10 drafts, I would um, I would take Fujinami. But like more often than that, I'm selling. Yeah, it's it's the age old debate in fantasy. And like, well, I guess technically it's not really a debate. But ultimately, when you get that late in drafts, you're looking for a reason to draft someone right right early on you can find ways to not draft someone and look to someone else but at this point when you're i mean he's outside the top 500 he's a chance for innings and yep you're gonna bite the bullet and if he was good at other stuff he probably wouldn't be going outside the top 500 right we're gonna roll the dice we're gonna hope for the best uh i mean he hasn't had finger tendonitis so that's at least a positive you know coming from overseas and pitching so <laughs> fujinami is a guy that i like uh in interested or in deeper formats, he's someone I'm looking at. Other leagues, you can leave him go. Maybe he pops up as a streamer if he can learn to not walk a batter an inning on top of the one to two he'll strike out each inning. Um, yeah, whip, he's going to be a problem. I I think that's unfortunately going to be his destiny here for 2023. So let's talk about this, James. We see it in fantasy football with the tweets that come out of like best shape of their life. We see it in baseball as well. Best shape of their life. We see we seen it with Jordan Walker, who went from pick 254 all the way to his max pick since the March 1 being before, like three rounds before his average draft position prior to. So how do we properly evaluate spring training performances and numbers and stats and information for our fantasy drafts? Mike, I told you this before we started. The way I like to do it is if it's somebody I liked and they're doing well, that validates it. If I don't like them and they've stunk, that validates it as well. That's just very simple logic for me. But there's going to be guys that you're not necessarily in or out on that we kind of have to take a look at what they've done here in the spring and see what we're thinking for drafts. So like last week, Matt and I talked about uh, velocities for pitchers that some were up, some were down. So let's just kind of we'll wrap it back to that. But what how much stock do you put into, you know, uh, a pitcher's velocity being down? Like, do you look at it just in a vacuum that velocity is down? Or are you also considering like, all right, this guy's a 10-year vet. He knows not to ramp it up on March 14th. He's got to be ready for April 3rd, April 4th, and something like that. So like, how much stock do you put into the tweets that come out of, watch it, watch it, his velo's down? <laughs> I mean, I think it's both, right? Like, I do think there is merit to the discussion of like, all right, he's a vet and he knows how to pace himself going into the year. Um, I also think spring does matter more for others. I know just like the one example I can point to, and this is, um, I, I guess, a little probably outdated and I should pro probably find a new one, was just the start of the year, Mark Teixeira was going to be awful when he was on, a, on the Yankees. And then by the time it got warm out, he was going to be great. And that was just like kind of what happened. And it didn't matter what happened in spring training. It didn't matter if he didn't make an out. It didn't matter if he got a hit. A single hit, it was just what was going to happen. And I think you can look at things like, um, oh, man, look how great they've been. Jared Kelnick, he's been great for this now third straight spring. He's been great because he's been great this spring. He's been his best this spring. But look how that's panned out for him the last two years, right? Um, so I think we need to 
tread lightly with people that are having really good springs if we already have a body of work with them in Major League Baseball. I think it's harder for guys that, like a Jordan Walker, who don't have a sample size in the majors, right? Like, he just doesn't. He hasn't been past double A. So, like, we do, I think, have to use spring training more as a barometer. Who has he faced? Is he facing... You know, like he's hitting third today. So, was, you know, that obviously is good. Or he's facing a starter, a caliber, uh, some major league caliber starter. So I think that there's a lot of different things we can look at. But I do think body of work, you know, matters the most to me just based on like how guys operate in spring. And, um, but maybe this, maybe the, maybe this debate doesn't matter anymore, Cole. Maybe it's completely different because of all the rule changes this year. And maybe this spring should matter more to everybody because everything is changing around the game. So maybe this spring we'll get a better idea going into next year that spring training matters more than it used to. And that's an interesting thing that Matt pointed out last week was pitchers' velos are down. Some are guys that are proven veterans. We don't need to worry about it too much because we know that they tend to ramp it up. But how much is the pitch clock affecting Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you're a little tired, just, you know, walk around for a minute, play with the rosin bag for a couple times, catch your breath and everything, and you'll be fine. Like, how much is that impacting it? If you're – I'm I'm pretty confident not every pitcher is max effort every pitch because right. that just isn't sustainable. Right. So – but what? I, but even if you're not going 100%, if you're going 90%, basically every, what, 20, or 15 to 20 seconds for X amount of minutes – like that's going to wear on you if it's a longer right. inning. So like the the pitch clock, how much is that taking into account here? Like the hitters have to get used to it too. Like you saw like the one the one uh, clip that went around with Carlos Correa was he was just kind of doing his own thing, and then the the light went on inside of his head, and he's you know jumped back into the batter's box. It's an adjustment, and right. it there's a lot going into play. So I think for me, like one thing that I think is important, I wrote about it in a positional spotlight uh, for the the ever so fun catcher position with uh, Gabriel Moreno, but you know, his spring numbers have looked good, but beyond just the numbers looking good, the, the story around it is the big thing. Like the issue with Moreno is will his power develop? Right. So he's got a couple home runs this spring. Okay. You know, he, he's got the pop. He can run into a ball every now and again, but he looks like he is making a concerted effort to loft the ball. Cabrian Hayes looks like he's making a concerted effort to lift the baseball like that's please, the stuff that we should be so. knowing listen future mvp candidate i'm telling you like and technically as long as he gets one vote i'm not wrong because that's an mvp right. candidate so right. i mean I'm, i don't think it's a hot take by any means you know especially when he comes out and goes 50 homers and 70 stolen bases but right it's i mean he's a guy i'm pushing up everywhere as as, as those in the discord could see if cabrian hayes <laughs> is in the question that's the answer so you can you know you can save that or just look for someone else other than me to answer that question um, as I'm a bit biased there, but it's the the spring helium is in is pretty insane. And I think we see it a lot with prospects, right? Because they're the well, Jordan Walker's done this. He has to break camp with the team. I mean, does he? You know, service time's still a thing. So like how how much can you risk pushing him up in the matter of there might be some service time manipulation? Although I think someone like he should break camp with the team, or like when right. you go to Chicago um with I'm blanking on his name. Oscar Colas. Oscar Colas. Colas Colas. I forget how you say the last time. I blanked there for a second. But like someone like him too. 
great spring, but where's the playing time coming from? Is he gonna is he even gonna break camp with the team? Like that's the other question. So like I think the big thing is the prospects are fun, the prospects are encouraging, but just because they dominate spring, be careful pushing them up in drafts. I think that's a big thing with spring because it's so it's so easy to get excited about them. Like I'm a victim of it too. I do it just as well, but it's a very dangerous game you end up playing. Yeah, it is a very dangerous game, but you know, it's the game that we play, Colby. It's the game right. that we play. And even someone that's I don't know if there's such a thing as like an established prospect, but someone like Grayson Rodriguez, mm. we know he's breaking camp with the team. We know he's in the rotation. Despite what they say, he's a frontline arm for yep. that team. Yep. But there's an innings limit for him this year. He's right. not throwing 200 innings, or I Baltimore better not let him throw 200 innings. No, they year. won't. No, they won't. So, like, that's something to consider. Like, as good as he looks, be careful pushing him up too high because if you're drafting him as an SP2 or SP3, you're going to need him to be elite, elite, elite per inning because you know you're going to get 140-ish innings, and they might kind of be a bit sporadic. Like, just it's it's very interesting, and the spring is always tough. And, you know, it's just, the big thing is we talk about it in season, and the same applies to the spring. You can look at the box score. But you got to take it take it a step further. Like, look at Jared Kalenic. Like, can you name any of the guys that he's homered off of this spring? No, not one. I, neither can I. I mean, if I looked it up, I might not even be able to pronounce their names. Like, that's just that's just how it is. Like, there's context to everything. If Kalenic had hit homers off Scherzer and you know other elite starters, you know maybe we pay a little bit more attention. Um, right. But check out the player debate. Hopefully, you side on the side of James and I of anti clinic because your fantasy team will be much better for it. I think that's the only real way to to say that there. Um Sorry, no 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 disrespect, Howard, but yes, you are you are wrong in this. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No disrespect, but you're wrong. <laughs> and I mean that in the nicest way possible, boss, but you're wrong. That's just yep. that's just that's just how it's gonna be. Um so I think let me ask you this. We got a, we got another minute or two here, quick wrap up. So uh, closer to the season starts, whether it's Matt and I, or James and I, or James and Matt, you ever, you never know when I'll take a private jet somewhere. It's just, sure. it's a matter of, I'm a wild card. I'm a, I'm a flight risk, literally, I guess. But looking at prize picks, they're doing some MLB season props. Two that jumped off the board to me that seemed incredibly low. First one was Brandon Woodruff strikeouts at 193 and a half innings. So I was like, that's interesting for him, given that he's a, I would consider a, more premier strikeout arm in the league. Yes. I know he had the, what was it? Uh, is it Ray Renauds? Raynods? I think he had last year and yeah, and missed a little bit of time, but he had 190 strikeouts and 153 innings. And the year before in 179, he had 211. So as long as he stays healthy and I get 28 starts from Woodruff, which as long as he stays healthy, I think I'm going to get that. How does he not exceed this mark? And I mean, other than when he faces Pittsburgh, look at that division. There's strikeouts galore in that division, even with Pittsburgh, unfortunately. But I mean, St. Louis is good, but they, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a tough foe. But Chicago's offense is interesting, but they are going to strike out a ton. That's like a, that's going to so happen. Um, Pittsburgh strikes out a ton, and then there's other teams in that <laughs> division too that you know you might want to like Cincinnati, tough park. They're going to strike out a lot, so I just don't see a path for Woodruff to not get there unless there's an injury. Yeah, they're like like you said. I mean, he threw 179 innings the year prior with an injury following. There's just if he just p gets some positive regression on his side in terms of starts, 
dude, he had his like his best year last year, 30.6% K rate. Um, I mean, everything was just clicking for him. So yeah, I want to take the over. I would take the over. So you said it's 190. What is it? 193? 193 and a half. 193 and a half. Like, dude, I would take the over. I'd be comfortable taking the over like almost approaching 200 barring like he's there's nothing there's no injury designation on him he's healthy going into the year like he's gonna have 200 strikeouts this year it's almost yep. a guarantee that's what i'm thinking i would be comfortable all the way up to i think i would be automatic click the over to 199 and a half once we got to 200 and a half i would take a step and like kind of relook at things just to be sure yep. i'm auto over 199 and a half for his career as long as i click this right because that's always a possibility it looks like his his uh full season pace is well over 200 strikeouts for well each over. year so yep. yep i'm good there and the other one that caught my eye really quick uh, i promise i didn't just look for pirates players but i happened to find o'neill cruz 23 and a half home runs i mean he's got to run into 24 balls this year right like that's pretty much the way i'm looking at because if he barrels it up it's gone or yep. gonna be close to it because he is a he he could break stat cast and he's gonna do it in multiple ways probably with the whiff rate or the yep. strikeout rate and the the max exit velocity and the average exit velocity. Yeah, the ball, it's magic. When he makes contact, it's magic. Um, 17 home runs in 87 games. Let's uh like let's say he just plays 130 games, he's hitting 30 home runs. So and he's gonna and he's gonna play every game. So uh yeah, he's gonna he's again another one I would have no problem with almost up to 30 home runs. Uh, he's gonna be a 30 home run guy this year. He hit 17 homers in 87 games last year. <laughs> if we pace that over 162 games or 650 plate appearances, we're looking at 31 homers. Yeah, he's going to hit. I think he's going to hit be around 30 home runs. This year. And just imagine even if, just imagine if he gets to like half a step above horrible against lefties. I don't even need him to be good. Yeah. Just like, honestly, <laughs> this sounds really bad, but honestly, just even below average right. against lefties for him would be insane because righties aren't going to want to pitch to him. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, I've seen him lead off a couple times here in spring. So let's just, let's just maximize those at bats for O'Neill Cruz. And, you know, we can cut out the Vince Velasquez hype videos and start doing O'Neill Cruz hype videos. Because... No, no, I, no, no, please. More, <laughs> more Vince Velasquez hype videos. That was amazing. I actually think he got scratched from his start today too, which is just so fitting. Well, it he has to go, so he has fitting. to go for his, I mean, he is, de, he is um, Batista's stunt double. I, I mean, they look exactly like Batista, the, Batista of formerly of the WWE, now of, um, you know, act, he's an actor. He's probably the best wrestling actor of all time. Different discussion for a different day, but they look exactly like. I don't know if you ever put Vince Velasquez and Batista next to one another, but they might be twins. They might be the same person. Have you ever seen them in the same room? I don't know. I was just going to say, I, I haven't. So I think, I think, I think you might be right. But yeah, it was so fitting. You know, hype video, scratch start. It just it's like clockwork for that guy, unfortunately. Maybe he can stay healthy and lead Pittsburgh to a third place finish in that division. But we right. we will see. But uh James, that's gonna put a wrap on the episode this week. Um, why don't you recite your uh your Twitter handle so people know where to find you as the king of the underscore? Because uh, if you look for that, you do not pop up. Um, so just want to <laughs> clarify that with everybody. Yes, the king of the underscore does have an at, and it is at the underscore real underscore grande and you can find me on twitter at colby r conway make sure you head over to fantasyalarm.com 
Check out all of the great content, including the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide. It is free. It is free. Tons of great content in there. And, of course, keep all the questions coming in the Discord channel. We'll be happy to answer them there. So give James a follow on Twitter. Give me a follow on Twitter. And we will see you next week for the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast.